Get ready for adventures on the high seas of Galarian. This is the Called Shot Podcast. <laughs> Hey, Call Shot crew, this is Davery. Just wanted to give you a heads up that this episode really earns its explicit tag. There are several scenes of violence, including some that reference child abuse. If that's the sort of thing you want to skip, feel free to jump ahead past episodes 43 and 44 and pick back up with episode 45. Any plot points that you'll miss from these two episodes will be addressed in future episodes. Here's episode 43, Hot on the Trail. So, uh... Before we dive in to today's episode, I got a little cutscene I'd like to show you guys. You ready for it? Let's do it. Bring it. All right, the camera fades up and it's a massive ship in dry dock. You see scaffolding surrounding it and it is obviously nighttime. You see lamps, torches flickering all over the place, lighting up plenty of the crew that are working on the sides of the ship. The camera is going to slowly slide around showing the work being done as it makes its way toward the nameplate on the ship. We zoom in on it and you see the name is the Man's Promise. The camera is going to sit there for a few seconds and then you see a crowbar slide down from the top and go and the nameplate falls off all the way to the ground. The camera then flies up and over the side, it picks up a man just about to make his way into the captain's quarters. We'll follow him all the way down into the galley. It's extremely dark down there. Only a single lantern is lighting a man working on prying out some boards in the galley. As we move over to him, we see that he has just three fingers in total and the hammer he's using is held on by a strap and a slight glow of magic holding it in place. Normally, you wouldn't see the magic, but in the darkness here, it adds an ominous white glow to his face, countering the yellow from the lantern. One board, two boards, and as the third comes loose, a long cylindrical case falls at his feet. A questioning look in his eye, he bends down, picks it up, unscrews one end, and shakes out a roll of paper. The camera moves up and looks over his shoulder, and there at the end of the scroll, Even without unrolling it, we see the words, This should get your fleet through the eye. The eye capitalized. His body freezes for a few minutes before he runs outside. The lantern slowly fades to black, and you can hear three fingers in the distance yelling, Rickety! Rickety! We fade out to black. Camera begins to fade up just a little bit, and you hear, Sails on the horizon! Sails! Sails on the horizon! Finally, the camera starts to open up, and you see a giant ocean in front of you, a giant bluff in the distance. And then you hear from the crow's nest up top, They look to be moving away, Captain! But where you would expect to hear Fane responding, you hear a female voice answer. Very well, let them go. We have our orders. The voice from above yells out again, I see a flag on the watchtower. Blue circle, white background. Finally, the camera comes into focus and you see a wooden watchtower sitting high on a bluff. The flag flutters from a flagpole another 15 feet up. And I'm willing to bet you all recognize this bluff. You guys 
know where this is? Sounds like Rickety's. I think it might be. All right. And as the camera continues to tilt down, you can tell this ship is not the Fortune's Revenge. Everything is different. The masthead is a giant bird, probably an osprey, with a large kraken in its claws. The rigging, not the frill of a dragon's head. It's more of what you would expect from a three-masted ship in the shackles. And the crew, they look leaner, sharper, meaner. The camera continues tilting down and we see a circle of five people deep in conversation. And the woman that spoke up earlier, she's dressed in dark scarlet red shirt, slightly lighter shade of red sash around her waist. She carries a large pistol there and wears a tricorn hat with a huge white plume of a flower. She has a captain's overcoat with large cuffs and it hangs limply thanks to the lack of wind. And that woman speaks up again. Listen, I am the captain of the Magpie Princess. We could sail into Rickety's, but it's going to be a fight, and I'll not be able to use his services again. I'm telling you, let's sail on to Blood Cove, search there, and return in a week. Standing around her are four massive and very dangerous-looking individuals. A human man uh, wearing incredibly expensive clothing and a full breastplate with a great deal of ornate filigree and a cloak covering the right side of his body turns to the captain and says, we're not going anywhere until we establish whether or not that ship is the man's promise. A uh, <clears throat> slightly above average height man, sandy brown hair, stocky. He has the slightly unnatural beauty of an Azamar, but he has a very distant thousand yard stare. Well, I can fetch our guest, and we can ask the supplicant if this is what we seek. And he turns and he walks for the uh, the stairs below deck. Third man is a five foot four, five hundred pound slob, <laughs> receding hairline, three double chins, with robes that probably fit a hundred pounds ago. He's disgusting with flies buzzing around him. His robes are tattered and stained with food and blood, except for the shoulders, which are immaculately clean bearing the symbol of Urgothoa around his chest. I'll talk to him if you want. Let us keep him in one piece for the time being. Around that time, next to the mast, this figure appears out of nowhere, and you see a um, middle-aged sylph woman uh, completely covered in leaves, almost like it's it's... Like, she rolled around in them pretty much and picked them up. Um, it's just completely covering every bit of her body except for her eyes. And around her eyes, you see the veins, and they're swirling blue. And she doesn't say anything. She just stands next to the horribly filthy man. So about that time, I think uh, Chad's character. You walk back up on deck, and you are dragging behind you a scrawny, filthy individual. His head is covered with a bag. The, uh, the ties tied tighter around his neck and he is just stumbling and falling around behind you as you drag him up onto the foredeck in the middle of this entire group. Yeah, the character just the man just casually with a unnatural strength tosses the figure into the center of the group and <clears> he just <throat> lands hard. Hush now supplicant we have questions for you. And he's just gibbering underneath the uh, underneath the bag. The human, the human man, dressed in finery, 
jerks him roughly up from the ground, pulls the bag off with no consideration for whether or not he's going to hurt him. Oh. What can I do for you? The extremely fat man waddles up to him, licks his finger and runs it down his cheek. It uh, causes him to start bleeding out of his ears and eyes. Uh, you're here just to torture me again? Look at the ship, Scourge. Is that the man's promise? And Scourge looks out. He blinks his eyes several times, trying to adjust to the extremely bright light he has been brutalized with. Scourge looks at you and goes, Nah, that's not the man's promise. Rigging's all wrong. You see the line there? Absolutely not. That dips where that one rises. And about that time, um, the female sylph walks behind him, and she's got two swords, puts them behind his head, and just says, How can we trust you? Why would I lie? Well, I'll be honest. I'd much rather keep you alive and continue torturing you than kill you like the rest of these. But I think that's suiting for now. And she'll slice his head off. Okay, hold on. (laughs) Hold on. You cut his head off? Clean. Uh, Coup de grace right there. His head pops off, rolls around on the ground, and I feel like this is the time to give the uh, audience a little bit of a warning. Today's episode is going to be a little more violent, a little more gross, and a little more detrimental to young ears. So uh, this might be a good time to skip to the next episode for next week, if uh, you feel that's appropriate. Yeah, I think that there's nothing that's going to happen in this episode that is going to that is not going to be explained in a different episode. So right. you'll get all the plot points. You'll just miss the action. Yes, and the action is planned. Also, Valley couldn't record with us tonight, so we're uh, doing something a little different. Thanks for joining along. So Scourge's head, rolling around on the ground of the foredeck, betwixt your feet. What do you do? So she'll pick up Scourge by the, uh, the ponytail and toss it to the filthy man and just say, Here, Father Perry, catch the fat man completely fumbles it. It falls to the ground. I can still talk to him, though. And he bends over and picks up the head. The uh, the man in the tarnished breastplate just sort of cocks his head and looks at the woman. Shall our questions be as spiders and find their prey amongst these threads? He just shakes his head. Patience unravels all enigmas. You strike too soon. I'm only trying to offer Father Perry a little fun here. Please, Warspite, indulge me a little. You gotta admit, this ship has been rather boring. When's the last time we've been able to murder anyone here? Everyone's and time will come. I am a little hungry. And he takes the head and bites the ear off and starts chewing. Let's keep things focused on the mission, folks. We need into Hakes. Lanteri, will you sail in? Um, no. I'm telling you, the blue circle is flying. That means no ships are welcome at Rickety Hakes at this moment. I'm telling you, let's go to Blood Cove. We can search there, and we can come back here in a week. We're not welcome. And about that time, you can see over her shoulder, a single-masted ship is making its way around the bluff and towards you. Like from out of Rickety's? Yes. Looks like the ship may be leaving, Captain. Perfect timing, it appears. Oh, that's not the ship. That would be Rickety coming out to uh, 
greet us? Uh, just wait a little while and he'll be here. He can tell you. And so you wait for a little while. The ship finally makes its way down to you. And uh, you can see the scrawny little rickety hake climbs up the side, pokes his head up over the gunwale and says, uh, Hey there, Captain Linterry. May I come aboard? And she just nods her head and beckons him aboard. And he jumps up and says, <laughs> ah, Captain Lanteri, it's so good to see you again. <laughs> ah, hey, so we'll be done with this ship that's already in port in about five days. Uh, how about you come back then? And she just starts nodding vigorously. Like, yep, yep, absolutely. We'll be back in one week. No problem, Rickety. The human man walks up to Rickety and goes, just as well the ship is in port, I don't need to be here with Lanteri. My men and I want to come aboard the island. <laughs> uh, nobody, nobody is allowed in port. The sylph will walk up next to Rickety and, and just say, Well, I'm certainly not swimming. I advise you to listen to my friend Sin Morris here. Maybe you can allow us back on your ship. Ah, uh, Sin Morris? And uh, what's your name, lady? You may call me Dayu. Die you, die you, die you, die you, die you, die No. Uther. <sighs> Change his mind. Yes, Very well. And the man in the tarnished breastplate steps up to Rickety, and he, as he does so, he mumbles to himself, First light, let all, all thy fury blossom forth and burn with the heat of a vengeful sun. As he says this, he starts, his armor creaks and he begins to grow. And as he grows, the skin around his hands and up his arms begins to blacken and form a texture almost like stone shot through with glowing red veins and claws form from the ends of his hands. By the time he reaches Rickety, he's about 10 feet tall. And he reaches down and just grabs a hold of Rickety by the front of the shirt, essentially, and lifts him off the deck to eye level. Rickety, is it? We seek answers. Don't make this unpleasant, and your supplication will wait. <laughs> that's, a, that's a neat little <laughs> parlor trick you have there. Uh, what was your name again? You can call me War Spike. <laughs> War Spite? and die you okay um listen i'm gonna explain to you he's just hanging there by his shirt look kind of like looking up into war spite's face a little bit he's like um my services are paid for and the ship in port cannot be seen by anybody else while we're doing the squibbing so if you ever want to use my services again i suggest you sail on for one week war spite reaches up with his other hand and gently traces one of his claws down the side of Rickety's face. As he does so, it sears it with acid and leaves a line from hairline all the way to the tip of his chin. We care nothing for your services. Take us there or be freed from this world. Um, Al, Verosa, you are banished from using my squibbing service ever again for bringing these assholes to my island. So, okay. And when he says that, uh, San Mara says, how many, actually, out of character, 
who are, who came onto the ship? Is it just Rickety? Is there somebody else in the boat with him? Is so in the boat behind him, single-masted ship, it's probably maybe three or four people left behind in that ship. It is just Rickety that has climbed onto the magpie princess. Okay, and is it high up enough that those people have probably can't see what's going on here? They might be able to see a little bit, but not really, because you guys are on the foredeck, so it's not like you're hidden. It's not like you're down on the main deck with a high side. You're up on the foredeck. They could probably see you. Okay, uh, Sun Mars is going to turn to Captain Lantari and says, sounds like Rickety doesn't need to survive this trip out to your boat. Whoa, 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 whoa. And that's Captain Verosa saying, listen, let's, let's talk things through, guys. I think you could see. I'm not one for talking. Dayu will point towards Scourge's head. Point taken. And uh, Warspite will just simply bring Hakes closer. What reward do you go to for Hakes? What afterlife awaits you? And try and intimidate. All right. During this, uh, Father Perry has waddled over to his zombie companion. Pulled out a black, curved, wicked, serrated blade and is just cutting off pieces of flesh from the zombie and putting them in his mouth and chewing. You're eating the zombie? Yeah. The <clears> zombie <throat> zombie actually only has half of its left arm missing at the elbow. and There are strips of flesh that have been previously cut off of its body that apparently he eats. All right. Uh, Dayu is going to try and aid. <laughs> I almost said Sebastian. And I was going to say, can, <laughs> can San Morris's threat about Rickety sure. not leaving be considered an aid another action? Absolutely. Okay. Because San Morris is a cavalier of the Order of the Dragon, mm-hmm. he gives you a plus three instead of the average plus two. Nice. Well, that should be fun. I aid. Yep. So that's a total of plus five. There you go. That's a 26. Ah, uh, well, okay. Um, listen, uh, trying to work things out here with you guys. Uh, so if you want to get onto the island, maybe you sail north to the north side and come in from that direction. Maybe by the time you arrive, I can get the other ship out of... What? I don't think you understand the situation. You are not trying to deal with us. We are trying to deal with you. It is in your best interest to listen, friend. Um... Listen, I'd love to let you in. I would, but if I allow you in, then i got to let everybody else in, and my services are no longer required. Dayu is up on the uh, front of the ship, and she'll turn around. Crew of Magpie's Princess, does anyone here see us leaving this ship and heading into Rickety's? And there are several uh, pirates up in the rigging and along the yard arms, just kind of giggling. Go, nope! Uh, Mr. Rick, what do you say? Have we ever been to your island? I've I ne- think it is in your best uh, interest to reply with no. No! Then it sounds like this settle has been mattered. It sounds like this matter has been settled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's, uh, let's go back and matter it. well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right? Just leave it in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Then, Mr. Rick, it sounds like this matter is settled. If you would, escort us to your island, and our presence will be unknown. Um, oh, uh, uh, and he's trying to make the decision between life and death, and he knows it. And she'll add, whether you leave this ship is no matter to me or my companions. Uh, I do not believe you are needed in our quest. Let's go on your ship, Rickety. You can answer some questions for us, and maybe we can solve this whole thing peacefully. Children, 
And about that time, from below deck, about half a dozen zombies start walking up onto the deck. Do you keep them chained together? No, they're just free. They're just free, so yeah. you can control them. They obey like... my spoken word. <sighs> All right, so Rickety just goes, um, listen, so what about you bribe me, uh, small of a token as you see fit, and then I can be bribed, and then, uh, you know, maybe... It sounds like you don't value your life as much as no, I thought. No, the bribe sounds like... A man deserves to be compensated for his services. Here you go, Mr. Hake. And, uh, Sen Morris will give him a gold piece. Very well then, everybody on board! And Warspite begins to, well, set him down. And as he does so, he doesn't release him, but as he does so, he begins to shrink. Fade back to his other side. And as he does so, you sort of hear him whispering to himself. And inside was a terrible silence. I spoke within it and could not hear myself. You're a weird one, word spike. Anyway, uh, so my crew down on uh, our little ship will uh, assist you in getting on board. Everybody climbs on. Rickety gets his four or five people together, and you start to sail back towards Rickety Hanks. We'll let the father's uh, children get on first. Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> As we're getting on the ship, uh, Dayu will talk to Senmaris. Sinmaris, hopefully you know I was only playing. I just like to toy with my prey a little. I understand. You're much more diplomatic than me. And so you make your way back, and Rickety is scared. He is frightened for his life, and he is scared for his settlement. He panders a little bit to the group as you make your way back towards port. You get there. No, before we get there. Yeah. Before we get there, we want to talk to Rickety. All right. Mm -hmm. San Morris is standing in the boat. He's looking at the island. He's not looking directly at Rickety. We're looking for the man's promise, Hake. Is it still here? And he's like, um, no. San Morris turns to the father. Father, what does his soul tell you? Is he honest? I would like to roll a sense motive. Sure. 22. He is indeed this time telling the truth. The man's promise is no longer in port. He's telling the truth. That does complicate matters. When did it leave for the furthest shore, Hake? So Rickety, looking out, kind of figures up on his fingers. He goes, um, two days? I think. Yeah, 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 two days. We are not far behind our prey. There still may be some information to be had here. Well, and of what we seek. So, uh, what are you guys looking for? Rickety? Yes? How many souls are here? Uh, about a, about a hundred and five? I think that last count, no, I lost a few, so it's probably a little closer to a hundred and one, maybe ninety-nine. Good. San Morris doesn't say anything else to him until we get to the island. Uh, Dayu will just be talking out loud, not necessarily to anybody in particular. And she's just kind of thinking to herself, like, yes, information. Such a great thing. Something I absolutely love to find. Something I love to dig out of people in any way possible. I cannot wait to find the information we're looking for here. Okay. And you finally arrive at shore. The crew for Rickety climb down, tie the ship down, get the gangplank ready, uh, assist 
Father Perry getting off the ship as best they can without getting too close, I guess. Yeah, St. Mars is going to hustle across that gangplank in, in a very dignified manner, <laughs> but definitely get across it before Perry tries to walk across it. It probably takes Father Perry about a good five minutes to yeah. get standing. And uh, you finally make your way down to shore. Uh, Ricky's like, no, uh, so what are you looking for? Seems kind of odd that you'd be here. We're looking for a scroll case. Gold. The black double helix around it. Have you seen anything like that? Roll a sense motive. Everybody? Anybody who's watching Hake for this answer. Uh, I'll roll. 18. Yep. <laughs> 8. 34. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. 17. 33. Excuse me. 33. <laughs> oh, was that all? Really high sense motive there, Father That's Perry. That's all I do. <laughs> uh, so... Not many of you pick it up, but Father Perry definitely does. Hake looks to the left, shuffles his feet a little bit, kicks the ground and goes, Nope, no scroll case here. That's ridiculous. Why would I have a scroll case? Children, bring me his eyes. Whoa, 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 whoa. 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 And the zombies start moving. Hold on, guys. And those zombies start getting closer and closer. And Hake's the like, hold on. The father thinks you're lying to us, Hake. Well, I might be. And I just picture these zombies, like, pushing him towards the water. And they just start circling around. How many of the zombies are there? Uh, there are seven kind of regular zombies. And then there's one a little bit bigger or stronger looking. You know, eight total. And uh, Rickety reaches down to a little thing around his neck pulls it off, crushes it in his hand, and then dives into the water and starts swimming away. Father, Splash. do your children swim, perchance? Well, they walk under the water. When Hake dives in, does he move magically fast? Or no. Just swimming like a regular person? Swimming like a regular person, so he's probably ten feet away. I would like to do something. Sure, of course. Uh, it's going to be casting a spell. Okay. Are we doing initiative or just go ahead and do Let's it? Let's just go ahead and do it. Okay. Father Perry's going to cast Dispel Magic on him. Okay. Um, all right, so you cast this Dispel Magic. How long is just, uh, it's just an action? Just okay. an action. Anybody else want to do something in this realm? Yes. San Morris will say, Hake, you are going to regret that action. And he'll throw his cape behind his shoulder and jump into the water after him. All right, so you're swimming after him. Yes. Anybody else? I was like, what are Hake's uh, crewmen that were with him doing? Uh, they also jumped in the water and are swimming in the opposite direction. Of Hake. <laughs> yep. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Dayu will just kind of chuckle a little bit. I'm glad to see that Sinmaris decided to play today. All right, so Sinmaris is swimming in the water towards him. You cast Dispel Magic, nothing happens, but about the time that uh, Sinmaris is getting close to Hake, you hear loud bells ringing in the background in the middle of the city. And you see, like, maybe it was like, maybe the crowd was gathering to see what this ship was coming in, who these people are. But as soon as the, the bells start ringing, poof, they're gone. They're going back to uh, the big, large building that was at the back, which was uh, Rickety's longhouse where he stayed. Okay. So they're all making their way in that direction, and you hear women screaming and the lamentations of their men and children crying in the background. This town is in panic mode at this point. And about that time is when San Morris reaches Rickety. So what do you do, San Morris? San Morris is going to try and grapple Hake and drag him back onto the island. 
All right, so you're trying to grapple Hake while you are swimming. Take any appropriate negatives. Call it negative two. Probably two negative CMB. two for water combat. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, Fifteen. Oh, that'll do. Uh, you're able to grapple him in the middle of the water. Uh, you wrap your arm around him and you start swimming back. Anybody else doing anything? Uh, Warspite is going to walk to the end of the docks. Is anyone from the town actually responding like in force? Not that you can tell. Pretty much everybody is disappearing back to the longhouse that the, the original crew had drinks in. In that case, he's going to walk down to where San Morris is pulling Hake to shore. And as he gets there, he just he's going to reach down and grab Hake by whatever he can grab. Hair, scruff of the neck, clothes, and yank him out of the water. All right. Children screaming in the background. Father Perry? Uh, which direction are the children screaming? Uh, all of the directions. Uh, several houses over to the east. Uh, but most of the children and most of the people have grabbed their children in their arms or by the arm and dragging them through. To the longhouse. And they're all moving to the longhouse. You see people over in the dry dock area where they're working on the ship. You see them, like, scrambling down the uh, all the scaffolding. Some of them are jumping from 10 and 15 feet up, almost exactly like the wasp attack yeah. from before, but they're just, like, crashing to the ground and trying to make their way to the longhouse. Do we see anything attacking them, or is it us? It's you. Oh, okay. The bells were rung, rickety has sounded the alarm, and everybody is hauling ass. Oh, so when he crushed that, it must have been the bells. It must mm-hmm. have been. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, while they're dragging him out of the water, uh, Father Perry's turning towards the log house, and he waddles. like He's starting to walk that way, but it's these guys take off for one minute and they catch up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But as he's walking off, he... Children, follow me. And he starts walking towards the long house. So seven, eight zombies are following you towards the longhouse. So you, very slowly. Very slowly. <laughs> Sam Morris, you finally get to the dock. Warspite reaches down, grabs Hake by the collar, lifts him up out of the water. I assume you're strong and dexterous enough. You pop up out. Right. Not too much of an issue at this point. And Rickety, soaking wet, swaying, a far distant, defeated look in his eye, standing there before you. Warspite? Make sure he can't run away again. Warspite cocks his head slightly, looks at his right hand, and then it, it twists into the same black claws as before, and he reaches down and essentially removes Hake's right leg at the knee. Okay. Screaming, high-pitched screams, Hake falls to the ground. And that's when you notice that there are some people beginning to marshal. Four men wearing four different colors of bandanas. You see green, orange, red, and blue. And they are formed up together, making their way towards you. Father Perry just turns around over his shoulder. I want that leg. (laughs) (laughs) And roll initiative, everybody. Roll initiative. Let's get into some fighting, shall we? All right, we've got the initiatives in the machine. We are ready to roll. Let's go ahead and set up the scene for our listeners at home. In the middle of the map, we have a huge longhouse where all of the uh, all the citizens are running towards. Uh, it's the same longhouse as before from uh, last time you guys were at Rickety Hicks. 
you see a smattering of buildings over to the east. There's what, seven or eight buildings over there, uh, different sizes, usually like 15 by 10, maybe 10 by 10s, uh, ramshackle housing. Uh, past that, it's not even on the map, but over there towards the east on the far side is uh, the dry dock where the huge ship is being worked on. There's lots of scaffolding all around, people tearing down out of that. Directly south of uh, the longhouse are two sets of docks. One of them is where you guys are standing right now and it's just two rows of wood going out into the water. Farther to the east is a boat dock with a couple of boats situated around it. Currently, you guys are about, let's call it 80 feet roughly from the Ninja Turtles. Uh, red, green, orange, and blue guys. They have their swords out and they are slowly, slowly making their way towards you, but trying to basically get between you and the citizens. All right. The building that they came out of, the door hangs wide open on a couple of uh, leather hinges and it swings loosely in the background. So here we go. Lu Dayu, what do you do? So Lu Dayu being a ninja, uh, she is going to use the vanishing trick and spend one key point to completely vanish, disappear. And that means that I am uh, invisible for however many levels, for however many rounds per level, seventh right. level, so seven rounds. All right. So you moved east about, call it 30, 40 feet. Yeah, just about. Okay. Alrighty. So that is your turn completely. Next, the orange sailor is going to move forward about 15 feet and he is going uh, to ready in action. Then the red sailor is also going to move forward 15 feet and he too is going to ready in action. And then it is going to be San Morris's turn. What do you do? San Morris is going to almost double move. He's going to move. He's going to take two actions to move. He's just not going to move the full 60 feet. So All he's right. going to get closer to them, but still far enough back. that They're going to have to step in to get to us. As he runs forward, he's going to draw his sword, which is an Aldori dueling sword. Nice. Which is, to explain to people who don't know what that is, it's like a longsword, but it's slightly curved, and it's very thin. Yes. So it is a dexterity-based weapon. Love that one. As he runs past Warspite, he's going to say, Utha, the one in red is slightly off balance. Take him down. Nice move. And now it is Warspite's turn. He will begin to uh, run forward as he does his boots glow faintly white and he begins to move supernaturally fast. Fun. He's basically, I'm activating my boots of speed. Okay. And as he does so, he's, again, he's chanting to himself and it gets louder and as he steps, he gets larger and larger. Um, and she sang unto me, you are the bringer of the red harvest. And when your task is complete, the heavens will open and the world will rebound with glory once more. And he can charge 140 feet <laughs> at this point. And as, uh, he will take San Morris's direction and charge straight for the uh, the red sailor. Alrighty. So you are charging the sailor in red. Swing away. Come on, baby. That's uh, Father Perry's line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. That is a 31 to hit. <laughs> God. Okay, uh, 31 will hit. Uh, you charge forward, you swing your claw at the sailor in red, you make contact, and how much damage do you do? Uh, 29 points of damage. And he no happy. Are you raging for this attack? Yep. 
That's right. why I was as I was charging, I was growing, That's I was right. activating rage. Oh man, that is a nasty character. So this huge guy, ten feet tall, ten feet wide, smashes a natural claw down on the sailor in red, and blood just sprays everywhere. And now the sailor in green, how far away is he? Can he get to war spite? It's almost like, certainly twenty feet. Oh. 30 yep. feet. Yeah. So he'll move up to Warspite, and he will swing his longsword at you. And he'll yell, Get thee gone, demon! Captain Merrill Pegsworthy has commanded you leave! Rickety hakes! Uh, 28. Yeah, that hits. Excellent. So, so Chad, did you say you have reach? I do. So oh, that's correct. So you will get an attack of opportunity. Good call. I had, I'm not used to playing somebody with reach. And he hits you for seven points of damage. Uh, let's see. Let me take my attack of opportunity here. Mm, not great. That's a 17. That will cling off of his chain shirt. And that is the end of his turn. Father Perry, it is your turn. So all the quick guys just took off. <laughs> Dayu took off to the right, flashed, invis- flashed invisible, turned invisible. San Morris just charges forward. And then Uther, growing in, in a blur, blows past him with his hair just flowing in the wind. <laughs> Father Perry starts waddling forward, slowly. <laughs> and he points at the longhouse. Children, go eat. And he moves forward 20 feet. As you pass that little small shackle of a house to your left, you hear a small child crying from inside. Father stops. <laughs> And turns his attention to the shackle, the shack instead. So gross. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else this round? Well, can he adjust his trajectory to go towards the shack instead? Absolutely. Because he would absolutely go that way. So he's just on the edge of the shack. Alrighty. So on the edge of the shack, you're roughly 40, 50 feet away from the longhouse, and the battle is taking place behind you. Yes. And then it is now the sailor in blue. He will move forward to a war spite. He too will swing his longsword at the big grotesque monster before him who has two claws, natural 20. Nice. <laughs> Let's see if I can confirm this. Natural one. <laughs> Close <laughs> enough. <laughs> War spite? Uh, Combat reflexes? <laughs> no, unfortunately. Uh, bummer. All right, and this guy will do nine points of damage to War spite. That is his turn. Anybody doing anything else? The other two guys are still have readied actions. We are moving on to round two. Lou Dayu. Uh, Lou Dayu is going to... She's still completely invisible. She's going to take 25-foot step. <laughs> that is a monster step. So yeah. what ninja ability is that? <laughs> so you're gonna move forward Kaiju. 25 feet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's gonna move forward 25 feet. Sorry. Uh, with her being 10 feet away, she's going to use one of her other key points to engage something called Flurry of Stars, which gives me two extra shuriken attacks. So I'm going to throw three shurikens from Vanish. From Vanish, which so means the- I get sneak attack on the very first one. Nice. All right, yes. roll away. Uh, so, shuriken number one. Now, these guys are dexterous, and these guys. <laughs> How very unadam like. <laughs> shirts. That was a 26. That will hit. Second one. That's a 20. That will hit. Third one. 
Ooh, that's a 29. That will also hit three shurikens fly out of Lu Dayu's hand, smashing into, which color is that over there? Orange? The orange. So I'm going to roll my sneak attack damage first. Yep. Smashing! Ooh, max damage for the first two die. So that is 16 points total of sneak attack damage. And then the shuriken themselves... So that's a total of 20 points of damage. 20 points of damage from three shurikens. Oh, sorry. That's actually a total of 28 points of damage because I forgot to add my strength bonuses. Very nice. And this is orange, right? Also, I had poison on all of my shuriken. So I'm going to need you to make a DC 18 check for me. Three DC 18 checks. This is the long side of me going... uh, what the hell? So how much was the damage? The damage total was 28 points. 28. And that's sneak attack plus strength bonus plus uh, the shuriken attacks themselves. All right. So 28 points of damage. The sailor in orange, his fort saves are that. I fail on the first one. So <laughs> so right. the second one's harder. Excellent. Made the second one, though. No doubt about that. And then the third one made that one rolled even higher. So Gotcha. So I do 1d2 dex damage. Oh, really? What kind of poison do you have on these? I have got giant wasp poison. Oh, so 1d2 dex damage. And that is going to be one point of dex damage. Killing me, Smalls. And cool. that's once around for six rounds. Or until they save. Or until, until they, they save. save. Damn, waspers. <laughs> they suck, man. <laughs> so one dex damage, two orange guy. Fantastic, you jerk. <laughs> Great turn. <laughs> And I'm no longer uh, invisible. Gotcha. <laughs> so that means Sailor in Orange is now going to go. Because at this point, his readied action is gone. Um, he is going to go here. And he's going to take that five-foot step forward. And he is going to jam his longsword into your eye socket. Will a 28 hit? Oh, my God. Yeah, it will. Good. <laughs> He will now roll a little bit of damage, 11 points of damage to you. All right. Now, the sailor in red, it is back around to his turn. He will also take a five-foot step forward, which keeps him from having to suffer an attack of opportunity, and he will jam his longsword into the shin bone of Warspite. Another natural 20. Seriously? Don't yes, worry. When did you start rolling um, well? This is, this is fishy. <laughs> Nine on the, or actually a 14. Will a 14 hit? No. <laughs> no, it will not. <laughs> All right. Uh, so he just will do normal damage, 13 points of damage to good old War Spite. And now it is San Morris's turn. San Morris is going to take a five foot step forward, which will place him directly beside the guy in blue. He's going to activate his power attack, and he is going to make a full attack against the guy in blue who is yes. bleeding, right? That is 26 and 22. Those will both hit. Okay. As San Morris jams his sword into him, he twists it slightly, and the entire blade turns into a long icicle. Ow. It's a frost sword. Oh, so you're doing a little extra damage with that. Very nice, very nice. All right, what's the damage on that? Okay, let's find out. 53 points of damage. Holy crap. And now a moment of silence as Blue Man falls to the ground. Somewhere. So, Davery, call your shot. San Morris steps forward, 
jams his sword into the guy, as I said. Twists it slightly. It turns into ice. As it does, he jerks it hard to the side, and it just tears the side out of his, out of the guy's body, just pouring guts and blood everywhere. And I see a little bit of drool come out of the corner of Father Perry's mouth. <laughs> Damn, son. 53, negative 11 on his hit points. Holy wow, crap. <laughs> I just have a lot of hit points. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore, they don't. Yeah, you guys are killing him in one shot, too. All right, War Snoop, that's San Mars. And War Spite, it is now your turn. Well, since I can do a full attack action, War Spite is going to focus all of his attention on, uh, was it Red, I believe, that he had struck earlier. Yes. And just these massive black claws dripping with acid. He's just going to try and tear him to shreds. Supernaturally fast, because he's still under the effects of haste. Uh, let's see. Attack number one is a 32 hit. Yep, that'll hit. Attack number two does a 20. That will hit. Attack number three is a 22. That will hit. And you're attacking which man? Uh, orange. Or, sorry, red. Red, uh, let me see. Red is dead, baby. <laughs> red is dead. Yeah, you go ahead and tell me how he dies. Warspite, since he's just towering above him, just brings his claw just in this overhand smash and just brings it down across his left shoulder and collarbone and just shears through bone flesh and armor and tears him in half screams fill the land as they just go out in a guttural but the other ones undaunted they step forward and continue to press the attack the sailor in green, wishing for vengeance on his fallen brother, will reach down and stab a longsword into your foot. <laughs> 16? Nope. 16 will miss. You step out of the way just in time. Father, what do you do? Father walks up to the shack that hears the uh, baby crying from and slowly pushes the door open. <laughs> What's, what's he see inside? Uh, it's a fairly decrepit shack. A torn down bed, feathers kind of everywhere. It is a dirty shack. But in the right hand corner, you see a crib rocking slowly. A little old lady there, one hand on the crib, just rocking the cradle back and forth. Father Perry will walk up to the crib. The old lady not able to do anything, just looks up at you, tears in her eyes. He reaches down to the crib, picks up the baby. Mm, come here, precious one. And cast Bleeding Touch on the child. And I think we'll fade to black on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't even want to know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Good. This is a nasty dude. Yes, he is not pleasant. Okay, uh, so let's go back to the happy, happy, joy, joy of the big battle happening outside. <laughs> oh, so much nicer. <laughs> yeah, blood everywhere, guts on the ground, two fallen soldiers as they try to protect the uh, crowd behind them. I do feel like I need a bath. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, buddy. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, to uh, sanitize this table. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And so I've got some citizens back behind this group. This is where the front four, they'll disappear into the longhouse, hauling ass in that direction. Yeah. And now, 
it would be the sailor in blue's turn if he weren't so spread about the battlefield. <laughs> and now we're on to round three. Ludayu, orange sailor is in your face. Ludayu is going to take a five foot step back. All right. And then she is going to spend another key points to do the flurry of stars once more. And this time, since it's a full round action, she can do three in each hand. So I've got two attacks. It's three the first time, three the second time. Oh, my goodness. All righty. Fire away. Uh, the first one, critical failure. Uh, they did rolled a one. <laughs> no. All right, so that one's a miss. Miss. The second one is going to be a 21. That will hit. The third one is going to be a 19. That will miss. Okay, so one is going to hit, and that's uh, that is going to be five points of damage for the first shuriken. Then she's going to throw the next three. Let's see, 19 misses, 21 hits. Let me do one math. <laughs> So I rolled a 20, um, a 23, and then a 17. So two of those hit for a total of nine points of damage for the second flurry. How much damage? Nine? Mm -hmm. And don't forget the poison yep. for all three of those. So that's a total of three DC checks. Previous round. Yeah, it'll be on his turn. Uh, gotcha. Okay. So there are now three doses of poison on this orange sailor. You see him try to stumble his way towards you. His uh, limbs are beginning to lock up, but he will still take his five foot step forward and attack you with his longsword. Okay. And will a 18 hit? Nope, misses. Ugh. And uh, he will then make a save on the poison from the previous round and fail it. So now you need to give me three D4 rolls. Uh, D2 rolls, excuse me. That's going to be a total of five points so of dex damage. Six points of dex damage. He is locking up and he is screaming at you. San Maris. So, you know what? It looks like Dayu has her guy taken care of. Definitely looks like Uther has his guy taken care of. And the father is doing whatever the father does. So I am going to step towards the longhouse. So 5, 10, 15, or 20, 25. And reach into my backpack and remove the banner of the Iron Swarm, our mercenary company. I'm going to plant our flag. And you jam the Iron Swarm banner into the ground. Warspite, what do you do? <laughs> At this point, he turns his attention to the Green Sailor, and he's just... He, again, he starts yelling, and he, as, he, as he says this, he punctuates basically each sentence with a blow as he tries to, uh, to tear him apart. I will show you such marvelous things. Things you cannot speak. Things that you only see in your darkest secrets in the farthest corners of your mind. And... 32. Yep. Second one is a 33. Yep. And the third one's a 16. That one will miss. <laughs> Two attacks hit. Alright, let's see. First... 22 points of damage on the first. Alright. Uh, 29 points of damage on the second. Chad, call your shot. 
I imagine the first blow just drives the sailor to the ground, and as Uther, or Warspite, is, is saying this, he is just savaging him on the ground, just like a like a, a bear, just bits of flesh and blood flying up into the air, and as he stands back up, it's the body's basically completely obliterated, just pieces spread across the area. He's not even, he has no time to even make a sound as he is spread about the battlefield. This is turning into a rout. Horsebite, that's your turn. Father Perry, you, uh, we're just going to go ahead and pick up with you outside of the house, maybe a little bit of blood around the mouth. Father walks out of the shack, kind of just licking, you know, sucking blood off his fingers as he continues to waddle towards the longhouse. And he casts... Iron skin on himself. And Lou Dayu, it is your turn on round four. Um, can I make like a perception check to see about how messed up this guy is? The guy in front of you? Yeah. The pretty, only one left on the field? This is going to be called pretty darn messed up. Pretty darn messed uh, up. Yeah, let's okay. go with uh, way over bloodied. Okay. Uh, so this time she's going to take a five step, five foot step back again. And instead of using the uh, flurry of stars, she actually is going to use something called key attack speed. So what this does is it gives her um, an additional attack, but it's without all the minuses that flurry of stars does, basically. So okay. I don't get as many shuriken, but it's a little bit better to hit. Right on. So for my first attack action, I'm just going to roll or throw two shuriken. Natural one. <laughs> and hey, a Adam. 21. 21 will hit. Okay. Uh. So that is going to be two points of damage plus four. So six points of damage. And then it's also going to be the poison again. Adam, how do you kill this person? Oh, I was hoping you were going to ask me that. <laughs> so the uh, the first ninja star probably goes straight past this guy's ear. I like to think it like nicks him on the ear, you know. The second one hits him dead center of the forehead. And as that poison seeps in, his knees buckle and he just slowly sinks to the ground. And, just... and he is... D-E-D, dead. All right, Sam Morris, it is your turn. So describe the longhouse to me. I assume we can see the door from where we're standing. You can. Uh, It is roughly, what, 60 feet long or so, maybe 40. Uh, There's a door in the center. There's some short steps going up into the door. You see uh, windows across the top. This is an old uh, villa, like think uh, Southern Plantation House. probably has a wooden roof and but all the shutters are closed and locked at the top of the house and you just see a couple of people at the doorway ushering citizens in and as they run from the back where the where the the large dry dock is san morris is going to take a five foot step and then as a full round action i am going to do a dazzling display which will intimidate and demoralize everyone within 30 feet so that should hit the people who are at the front door gesturing for everyone to come in all right uh, what does Dazzling Display do? Dazzling Display is I put on, basically I put on a show with my uh, fancy sword work and convince them that they are, <laughs> yeah, as Matt has pointed out, I pull up my cloak like I'm Dracula <laughs> and uh, whip my sword around. Uh, I can only assume probably he, uh, like he might scoop up a rock with the blade of a sword and fling it at one of them and hit them in the head with it and just say, don't close that door. We're coming in for our property. I imagine it's something like in uh, the Game of Thrones scenes where they're at the, is it the Tower of Joy? Where they've got the uh, the best swordsmen in the world, and before they attack each other, they're kind of like doing a little bit of sword play, just showing off, you know? Yeah, it's exactly like that. Yeah. 
I always think of Bad Mardigan from Willow. <laughs> he throws a sword in the air and he's like, I am great. And he drops it. You know? <laughs> Smacks himself on the head. That's probably how I'm going to do. Uh, so do you make a roll for this? Yes, I make an intimidate check. Okay. Oh, shoot. I didn't know there was a roll. I jinxed you. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, that's 25. All right. They are dazzled and displayed. What does that give them? So it's a normal intimidate check. So they're shaken at this point? Right. The DC is 10 plus their hit die plus Mm -hmm. their wisdom modifier. Yeah. And then it's uh, for every five. Yeah, for every five, it's increased by another round. For every five over the DC. And then because it is an Aldori dazzling display, I get an additional 1d4 rounds on top of that. Oh, nice. All right. One. One more round. So, hey. So at least three rounds, I'm assuming. Okay. So, and that makes them demoralized with shaken... A little bit of RP with the guys at the doorway. And that is your turn. Warspite. <laughs> Warspite turns as everything around him is torn to pieces. He turns towards the longhouse as well. And he begins to walk that direction. He's slowed down. He, I've, he's turned off his boots of speed. but uh, So he's going to take a normal move action, 40 feet towards the longhouse. And then he chants to himself and he casts a blade of barrier alrighty and the air kind of twists around him as he does this father before you go we're going to have three of the other citizens from the east try to make their way into the longhouse but they have to run directly by Warspite what do you do? do you allow them to enter the house? He, Warspite doesn't even turn his head in their direction, but he just lashes out with an arm at the nearest one as they run by. So you're going to actually attack one. Yep. All right, just don't roll a one. No, that would be a nine before bonuses. So, And then you slash this blonde-haired woman in a blue gingham dress. She screams, can't believe that you would attack an innocent citizen of Rickety's, and she just falls down at your feet, blubbering and begging, and then she is dead. Rejoice, for you are free. Father. Uh, Father Perry is basically directly behind San Morris. He continues to waddle forward towards the doors of the longhouse as he walks up. Out of the way, Revite. And just kind of walks through him to get ahead of him. <laughs> and as he was walking, he casts Shield of Faith on himself. Very good. And we are reaching the end of round four. And from behind you, the front of the building falls off as somebody bursts through the building. He also is 10 feet tall, 10 feet wide. He is wearing a blue captain's coat. He has golden epaulets on his shoulders, and his left leg is a peg leg. And across his back, you see swung across the back, a gold cylindrical case with a double helix of black lines around it. And he yells at all of you. You have invaded my port. You have seen my ship. You have killed my men. I will kill you all. And he lifts a great sword, huge great sword up over his head. And he charges all three of you standing outside of the longhouse. And we'll pick this back up. Next <laughs> oh, you, oh. No, it's finally a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh.
runs past War Sprite. I would say, Utha, the one in red is slightly off. I said it wrong. War Sprite. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> I've almost said that like five yeah. times. Well, I was thinking that I'm a refreshing beverage for soldiers. Yeah. Whatever. Well, no, no I've always thought no, like, War no. Sprite. You're, you're, a, you're like, a fairy. Like fucking Kevin, yeah. Pollock, like Kevin Pollock and right. Willow is what I keep picturing every time. I will kill you. I didn't think yeah. of that. Ooh. Oh, I, I want to remake my character as a pixie blood witch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, done. No, Worst. that's one of the reasons I want to keep calling you Uther is because I won't fuck up Uther. <laughs> Uther, Uther is also fine. Uh, so, right. Father wants a bonus to charge. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that charging at you? Oh Slowest to charge roll, ever. Just fall over and roll. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. So if we get strength, we could use you as a giant bowling ball. <laughs> All I'm saying is, we need a scene where your character pushes his over and kicks him down a hill. Like, <laughs> hey, we need to get down there fast. Father, you ready? Pow! Father, open the door. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I imagine you setting up like for a football kick, your placeholder, and then War Spike just runs up. Oh, in the Marvel movies, when uh, Tony Stark says, We have a Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got a father. 